0: Older generation standard talks filled with homophobic banter. Wish they knew you work out. Make sure you get the clout. No one questions your identity. Muscles closest to indemnity. But what if you lack solemnity?
1: Welcome to Things Just Got Spicy, the all-inclusive political poetry podcast on Allegheny College's campus in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Every other week, we will discuss current and ongoing political, social, and economic issues. Each hot topic will be followed by a poem, written and performed by the week's special guest. My name is Binti Fofana, and I'm your host. This week's hot topic is toxic masculinity and traditional masculine norms. The dictionary defines toxic masculinity as a set of attitudes and ways of behaving stereotypically to what is associated with or expected of men it is regarded as having a negative impact on men and society as a whole. The term toxic masculinity was developed in the 1980s and 1990s by a mythopoetic men's only spiritual movement, of which was in reaction to the second wave of feminism movement. Toxic masculinity was society's effort to feminize boys by denying them the rites of passage to recognize themselves as men, As a result, the spiritual movement sought to rescue the protective masculine warrior from toxic masculinity. Nowadays, this has taken a shift. According to the New York Times, in an article titled, What is Toxic Masculinity? Toxic masculinity can be described as a set of behaviors and beliefs that include suppressing emotions, masking distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, and violence as an indicator of power. Toxic masculinity takes form in traditional marriage and gender roles. This becomes a new type of trauma that is inflicted on men and boys throughout many different cultures. It results in men and boys around the world growing up with a clear vision of masculinity, of having strength, a toned and powerful physique, leadership, control, and resilience. Many of these visions are attached to a heteronormative end goal of the dream to eventually provide for a family to get their dream girl, and to be head of the household. Growing up, boys often hear men don't cry or don't be a sissy. This may leave growing boys with emotional illiteracy as well as evoke guilt for not being able to attain and maintain society's vision of masculinity. Masculinity in this framework becomes a practice of restricting natural human emotional cravings for intimacy, love, and vulnerability in hopes of gaining respect and power. In many cases, it also means restricting one of the truest forms of expression and creativity in favor of preserving personal relationships. But does this really preserve personal relationships? In the long run, how may this restriction affect those relationships? And how does this traditional form of masculinity play out in the real world? Our special guest to discuss this hot topic with us is someone who was recently elected as vice president for Allegheny College's student government. Our new vice president is also involved in Why Not Us, an organization on Allegheny College's campus dedicated to raising awareness about sexual assault and violence. Please give a warm welcome to Rudra schultz ray
0: Thank you for having me.
1: It is our pleasure to have you on the show. Rudra, when you wrote your poem, Masculinity, how did you approach it and what was your thought process?
0: At first, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to talk about. But the best thing I really found for me to work with was finding out stuff that I'm personally invested in. And because of that, I talked a lot about physical appearance and being comfortable with who you are, as well as What I perceive as this kind of, like, anger that a lot of men have sometimes, or masculine-presenting people, typically cishet men present towards other people, either genderqueer or women, or literally anyone that is not also a cishet man. Masculinity based on suppression. You don't even dare to ask the question. Risk your parents' scorn to watch some gay porn. Can't be you, but torn. An older generation standard. Talks filled with homophobic banter. Wish they knew you work out, make sure you get the clout. No one questions your identity, muscles closest to indemnity, but what if you lack solemnity? you're not a joke, make sure they choke. Masculinity based on domination, don't submit if you're part of the nation. You don't cook and you surely don't clean, you only submit to being mean. It has not changed since being a teen, being on top means pushing down or it'll all come back around. To ensure your place in the cast, don't betray your family's past takes hundreds of years to get in the clear and ruin it by choosing to be queer, their expectations often dictated by fear. Expectations set but rarely met often takes a specific mindset. Masculinity in a modern world restrains their freedoms and their toes uncurled. Men that cannot embrace their femininity, lest they abandon the holy trinity. Being straight linked to religious identity is a problem that can be tackled as long as we resist it unshackled.
1: Could you elaborate on the third stanza?
0: So, when I was writing that stanza, actually in the poem more generally, I split it into my two identities uh, my American identity and my Indian identity. So, specifically, the stanza I know this isn't the question exactly, but the stanza about suppression is more about the American masculine identity, while the stanza about domination is about the Indian identity. Because There's this kind of this idea that being a man in India, and you're the head of this house, and you're dominating your your children, your servants, and your wife, and you're kind of making sure that everything that happens is what you want to happen. So you're just trying to take control of everything.
1: How does masculinity change based on sexual orientation?
0: So when I was writing that line within the poem, uh, the ruin it by being queer. It was this kind of idea specifically, I wrote that in the stanza that's more about India, but I feel like this is something that carries over to both India and America. And there's this idea that being queer makes you more effeminate than being uh, just like a cishet guy. And I really wanted to work on that topic because I've personally not had to deal with it because I am, again, a a cisgender heterosexual man. So I haven't had to deal with the issues that comes with having to deal with tradition and having to deal with families if you were uh, queer in any way. And what I can say, though, from my personal experience, is that Indian families, specifically traditional Indian families, are much harder to try and get change to happen. That's kind of the whole idea between tradition there. And even it can happen because like my dad wanted to marry a white woman. And even just with something that's like he's still a straight man and he's still not like an effeminate person. And he still had to fight his parents when it comes to marrying a white woman because that wasn't part of kind of the expectations of his cast. Because being in a in his cast means that you can't marry outside the cast. You can only marry up. If you marry a foreigner then you're already marrying to like a You're marrying quite far down into the cast, and that means that you're losing all of these hundreds of years of, essentially, work that your uh, family members have put in. And there's this kind of idea that being effeminate is an extension of that. Like, you're ruining all this work that your family put in, and I feel like that's something that carries over to most of the Asian expectations of uh, gender and being masculine.
1: I think that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, to not allow someone to marry someone else because of their race or to not be considered masculine enough. It brings the question, what is masculinity and what does it mean to be masculine? This question has also been asked amongst women. If you are aware of and keep up with politics the new supreme court justice katanji brown jackson was recently asked what does it mean to be a woman the question of gender has become a popular topic so it's unfair to put this gigantic amount of pressure on someone to confine with traditional masculine norms when frankly they are outdated.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the whole reason I put it in that tradition as well. Uh, specifically when it comes to, like, my dad. It's not something that was only enforced by his parents, but it's enforced by everyone around you. It's a cultural thing. Like, when he came to the U.S., he broke up with his girlfriend from back home and uh, started dating a white woman. And his all his friends, like, cut him out from back from back home because he did something that was against the societal norms. And I think it's important to point out because toxic masculinity not only affects all the people around them. Like if I were to talk about how Indian men deal with stress, they take it out on everyone around them. They take it out by dominating those around them, their servants, their children, their wives. And that results in not only them damaging the relationships and hurting those around them that they do love, but they do end up damaging themselves because they don't know how else to deal with these stressors. The only way they can deal with them is by taking it out in those people around them because they need to dominate people in order to feel like they're in control. And if they're out of control with something, say like they lost their job or their family member got sick and all these things that are out of their control, they need to find a way to control it. And if that means taking it out in those people that they love, then that's what happens and it hurts everyone including themselves.
1: The problem especially with stressors is that men are not taught how to deal with them. For example, men are told not to cry and crying is one of the many ways to relieve stress. There is absolutely nothing wrong with crying. And when it comes to those types of stereotypes that men shouldn't cry or don't be a sissy or men are supposed to be tough and shouldn't be vulnerable, it becomes a problem later in their lives because they were never taught how to deal with hard moments or how to be emotionally intelligent or how to be emotionally available. They weren't taught, how can I be true to myself so I can learn how to deal with these things? Because not only will to help me feel better it'll help those around me too
0: yeah I, I completely agree when it comes to that and that means that it's this kind of that's why uh, in the final line of the poem it's talking about resisting it unshackled uh because the idea of not only does shackled rhyme with the word in front of it uh, or the word uh, the line above it but it comes to this idea that it's this long laborious process that needs to occur it needs we need to change the culture when it comes to being men and make it more acceptable to be uh, emotional emotionally vulnerable and to be something that isn't classically described as uh, being masculine. So if we're able to find a way to allow masculinity to encompass being emotionally vulnerable and being just a person, then we can hopefully change the culture that revolves this and make it so masculinity isn't a bad word. Toxic masculinity is the extension of having to take your masculinity out and prove it. But if we're able to just make it so masculinity in itself is something that makes people comfortable, then that's kind of the goal.
1: I think that traditions can change, but usually take a long time to change. So I'm not sure if this is something we will see in our lifetime.
0: Traditions are established over a long time. That's kind of the whole nature of a tradition. So yeah, of course, it's going to take a really long time. But that should not be an excuse for anyone to say that, oh, it's going to take such a long time. So why should we even try? Because that's the reason why it's maintained itself. So if we take steps now, and we've already started to take steps, specifically American culture has done some pretty okay steps towards it. Doesn't mean that it's perfectly fine, of course. There's no place that has perfectly fine uh, has a perfectly fine culture when it comes to masculinity, but that means that it's possible and there's going to be a lot of small steps, but it's something that I look forward to in the future. Maybe in like 50 years when I'm like 70 years old people can say ma- that they're masculine and then the idea that they're also like emotionally vulnerable and all these things that don't traditionally come to mind when you think of masculinity become actually the nature of masculinity.
1: What are some traditional masculine norms in your culture and what does toxic masculinity look like in your culture?
0: When it comes to India and I'll, I'll take that as the my culture thing is that this idea that Men have all the power, and it's not kind of this idea. It's kind of how the the culture has been created is that men control most things, either their families, uh, their businesses, and women aren't really given a chance, and um, even so, even less so, uh, gender queer people. And it's this idea that again, it goes back to this idea of domination, and men need control of everything. Men need to be on top of everything, and. Indian masculinity needs men to be loud, needs men to be kind of angry, and it needs men to be in control. So this idea specifically, when it comes from my dad, it's because, especially the line in the poem that says, you can't cook and you surely can't clean, if I remember that correctly, it comes from this idea that when my dad came to the U.S., he had uh, servants and his mother cooking for him and cleaning for him. He never was really able to build that skill set and it wasn't, like, genuinely, he didn't believe that it was a bad thing. He wasn't doing it just to be kind of mean to his mother or to be, or to their servants. But it was this idea that men didn't need to do that. Men didn't have the skill set to do it, so leave it to the women. But then he came to the U.S., and he came to the U.S. as a college student, a graduate college student, no less. So he's unable to cook and clean for himself. And then he realized how useless he was. And that's kind of the whole line in that is being useless And that's why my dad also taught me to cook and clean for myself really early on in my life. And it's even funny because my dad, after coming into graduate school, not really knowing how to cook, not really knowing how to clean, goes to work for the Culinary Culinary Institute of America as a dean. Because he really realized how important it was to do these menial tasks that men were deemed too good to do. Uh, Because this is what people rely on. And now he's teaching in the food studies department at NYU, and he's teaching really about the intersection between food and society. So this is this kind of thing where food and culture is uh, closely connected, and tradition uh, and its intersectionality when it comes to food and culture, and how uh, masculinity presents itself in food. So... Yeah, it's kind of this really interesting thing when it comes to men being able to care for themselves and how it connects to food.
1: In a lot of different cultures, it is seen as the woman's job to stay home, to cook, to clean, and to take care of the kids. I think for people such as your dad, when they come to a country that isn't similar to their own, they realize and learn that it is actually an important skill to have because it is a basic necessity of life. And I hope that going forward in the future, people start to realize that this is a skill everyone should have, regardless of gender. For instance, in many African cultures, the mother does not always teach their son how to cook and clean because of traditional masculine cultures. And of course, there are some mothers who do, and those who do should be given a round of applause. It is often left to the girl or the oldest girl's sibling to learn these things and to take care of her family, even if she has an older brother.
0: And I also want to give like credit to my mom. My dad didn't just figure out how to cook because he's some sort of culinary genius. My mom helped him uh, learn how to cook and all these things because, of course, she's been taught to cook and clean. I would say this extends to American culture. American culture, I would say, is a little bit more ahead when it comes to women's individuality, but it doesn't. that doesn't necessarily say that American culture is the best. Women are still paid less. Women are still treated poorly in job spaces. There's a whole slew of problems that I feel like I could talk about for hours when it comes to women and their treatment in the U.S., but it's this role of women as the caretaker that has established itself through most of the world and of course it changes from country to country women care for the home they do the cleaning they do the cooking they do the child care and it's this kind of uns like unsung hero kind of job and where they're doing all this work and then the men go out and then the men like go to work for a couple hours and they come back and they are suddenly in charge of the house again even though the women have spent the whole time doing everything in the house and I feel like it even that I'm kind of like talking here but um even it connects back to this whole idea of like hunter-gatherer relationships and where women were collect were gathering uh, like nuts berries uh, edible roots and stuff like that and they were the ones that are actually sustaining the households as opposed to the men who would go out and then maybe like once a week they'd actually catch something or kill something and they would get so much credit for this But in reality, it's the women who have been caring for the household and feeding everyone as the men have been doing to go get like their Medal of Honor kind of thing for going to go kill something for once.
1: When women started entering the workforce, they would go to work, pick up the kids from school or daycare, and come home to cook and clean. They did everything. They still do everything. And when their husband came home, he would say, I can't do anything because I'm too tired from work. And again, not all husbands are like this, but the majority who grow up in these traditional masculine norms are. They don't take into account that their wives went to work too, yet they come home to do all of these things by themselves with no help. Women are still expected to do these things regardless of being in the workforce or not. In my opinion, men and women should help in the home things should be equal or things should be close to equal. For example, if I cook, you clean or vice versa. If you cook, I clean. It is often unfair and unrealistic to ask one person to do all of the household chores, including taking care of the children and going to work. It takes a toll on that person's physical mental and even emotional health and i think that's something we need to discuss more often
0: yeah and if you even consider it because like there's the expectation that women are to do all of these things say if you were to see a dad with his kid in a grocery store like oh he's going out of his out of his way to do this kind of stuff it isn't like his expected like society doesn't expect him to do this kind of thing but if you see a mom leave her kid at home to go do something and or maybe she does bring her child to the grocery store it's expected of her it's this expectation that women are to do so much more for such little credit and when men are given the same tasks they're given significantly more credit than women are
1: how does toxic masculinity affect friendships romantic relationships and relationships with family
0: I think this does vary from culture to culture, of course, and I feel like that's the thing to start off any uh, statement with. But if you were to say, take India and this idea, I've already spoken about it, that men really, they don't know how to deal with their emotions, and this also connects over to America, and men haven't been trained to be emotionally sensitive, men haven't been trained to be emotionally vulnerable, so they end up taking out their angers and frustrations over things they can't control. And this results in them taking it out on the people below them. And in a hierarchical, masculine, or patriarchal society, that means they're taking it out on their wives and their children, and maybe in India more so, they're taking it out on their servants as well, because that's the only people that they can, like, look down on. They're the only people that they can take advantage of, like, other people are taking advantage of them. So they end up uh, hurting those around them, and that results in, like, these really fragmented relationships when it comes to, like, parents and children. Dads more often than not are not deemed as like the emotionally vulnerable parent because they're not allowed to be emotionally vulnerable. So children don't get emotionally close to their children, to their dads as they do to like their mothers and. This really makes it hard for families to function as like these really sustainable relationships. And it results in a lot of people having bad relationships with their parents. And this only really changes as both of them grow older and both of them become a little bit more wise to how they've messed up and how they're able to recover in those relationships.
1: What does masculinity mean to you? What does it mean to be a man?
0: My definition of masculinity is not the traditional one Uh, but that's not to say that it's not closely rooted in the traditional one because i have those masculine relationships like i would say for example my dad my relationship with my dad is one of the healthiest masculine relationships i've had and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's been perfect from the start my dad has had issues expressing his emotions and has issues allowing me to express my emotions to him. But as both of us have grown older, and as I responded to in a previous question, we've become a little bit more wise when it comes to how to express our emotions and how being emotionally unavailable when it comes to our relationship results in uh, the damage to our relationship. So as we've both grown older, we've gotten a lot better at talking about our emotion and how we feel and what we need from each other. And that has resulted in a healthier relationship that means that I'm I'm much healthier and he's much healthier and we're both much happier. And yeah, I, I think masculinity is something that changes from person to person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't this kind of uniform identity that is enforced by tradition where men are to be emotionally unavailable and that's to be left over to the mother because the mother is like the caretaker and emotions are care because that's like a health thing. Hopefully in the future we grow to have masculine identities uh, where we are much healthier emotionally, and that's where I am at.
1: How can we break traditional masculine norms for future generations of men and those who identify as male?
0: I think it's necessary that we start taking small steps. Uh, This is not something that can happen over like a generation. This is something that will happen over generations of change because that's how traditions change. And we need to make it, we've already taken good steps towards making uh, emotions and masculinity a much closer relationship and making it so if you're masculine, then you're able to work with your emotions and you're able to understand your emotions and you're able to understand why these things happen. And I think men just, or I, I say men as the masculine term, need to be much better at understanding that The failures of society are not the fault of everyone else around them. They are the fault of a few, yes, but they're not the fault of, like, your wife. They're not the fault of your children. They're not the fault of your partner, and they're not the fault of your mother. And, of course, there are, but that that goes um, besides the point. There needs to be this expectation that being a man means that you know what's wrong and that you can deal with it in a healthy way that doesn't necessarily mean hurting everyone around you. It means understanding the problem and understanding how to fix it.
1: Whoa, things just got spicy. If you are a need, please do not hesitate to call 1630-482-9696, the National Depression Hotline, for help. That's all for this week's episode. I hope we've encouraged you to think deeper and to look at other perspectives. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at TJGSpicy, and if you would like to be a special guest on an upcoming episode, please feel free to email us at TJGSpicy at gmail.com. And that's a wrap. Stay curious and see you in two weeks.